Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists, editorial board members, and columnists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined by reporter Annie Blanks. She joins the show to talk about her. She joins the show to talk about the explosive growth of Dripping Springs. Welcome back to the show, Annie. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good, Luis. How are you? I'm fantastic. So, uh, yeah, give me a quick rundown. I, I know Dripping Springs has been on the rise, but I didn't realize how fast it was growing. Yeah. So, Dripping Springs is one of five incorporated cities in Hayes County, which is the county that's pretty much in between San Antonio and Austin. And it's actually the fastest growing county in the United States, according to the most recent census data. And Dripping Springs is one of the cities in that county. And kind of like all of the other cities in that county, it is growing at a record pace. Um, Just 10 years ago, it had a population of a little less than 3,000 people. And now it has a population of just over 7,500. And that's a growth of about 320% in a decade, which is massive. And a lot of that growth has been fueled by people kind of fleeing the big city metro areas like Austin and San Antonio. And they're looking for a hill country vibe that's also kind of close to the metro area. So you still get the benefits of living at least near a big city Mm -hmm. and also the benefits of living in a a more rural area. So that, uh, that's kind of a little bit of the background of Dripping Springs and, uh, and why it's grown so quickly in the past 10 years. And uh, in the article, you, you mentioned some of the growing pains, like uh, the wastewater treatment and, and stuff like that. Can you go into some detail about the growing pains? Yeah, the wastewater treatment plan in particular is an interesting one because basically the, uh, the city's wastewater treatment plant is operating in about 50% capacity right now. And of course, you know, a wastewater treatment plant is where anytime you, you know, flush a toilet or drain a bathtub or wash your dishes or wash your car or your dog, all of that dirty water has to go somewhere, no matter what city you live in. And in Dripping Springs, it goes to their wastewater treatment plant. And right now, that treatment plant is at about 50% capacity, which means that it treats about 50% of the water. It treats all of the water, uh, but it has room for about 50% more. And so what it's trying to do to prepare for just the ridiculous amount of housing growth that it's experiencing is expand its existing 
treatment plan, build more pipes, build more, more plumbing. And once it treats that effluent, it needs somewhere to spray it. Some cities and municipalities spray their treated effluent into bodies of water, which is an increasingly controversial way to dispose of your effluent. You do have to have gobs and gobs of EPA permits and testing, and it has to be uh, purified to a certain degree and stuff like that. But cities and municipalities are really moving away from that method. And a lot of them are trying to spray their effluent on fields like golf courses, for instance. They love treated effluent because it's cheap and it benefits the municipality and it benefits the golf course. And so anyways, Dripping Springs is trying to expand their their wastewater treatment plant and they're trying to find a new place to spray all their effluent, but they're locked in a lawsuit right now with an Austin-based environmental group called Save Our Springs. And Save Our Springs doesn't want them to spray their effluent anywhere where humans will be, basically. And there's a lot of nuances to the lawsuit, but basically in January, a Travis County judge is expected to make a ruling on the matter, and that's going to determine where, when, and how the city of Dripping Springs can expand its wastewater treatment plant. So that's one of the growing pains that the city is experiencing. Um, you also, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was I was about to say you also talk about how they want to preserve the dark sky designation. So Dripping Springs is one of I don't have the article in front of me, but I believe it's 34 or 35 places in the entire world, not just in Texas or not just in. America, but the entire world that has one of the these official dark sky designations, which means basically that it's a really, really, really cool place to stargaze. Um, I, I know, Luis, I don't know where you live, but I live in San Antonio. And if I go into my driveway at night and look up in the sky, I can see maybe a couple stars, but nothing too crazy. There's a lot of light pollution. Yeah. And uh, if you're out in Dripping Springs or Wimberley or several hill country towns that are officially designated dark sky communities, you can look up and just see galaxies and millions and millions of stars. And that's because these towns and cities have specifically enacted ordinances that decrease light pollution. So you have to turn off all of your advertisement signs past a certain time. You have to have outdoor lighting that is at a certain Kelvin level that's less than your typical city lights, um, things like that. And so kind of one of the growing pains that Dripping Springs is experiencing is they really don't want to lose their dark sky designation. So you have all these houses and businesses coming in and all of these new buildings are going to need to abide by these ordinances if you want to still be able to look up and see all the lights at night. And then... Can we quickly talk about the moratorium on development? That seems like a pretty – it seems like a drastic step. They're, they're really looking into this and they want to mitigate a lot of these growing pains and preserve their uh, their way of life, I would say. Yeah, this one is interesting to me, Luis. I've covered – I don't even – I've covered dozens of fast-growing cities and counties, mostly in Florida uh, where I used to work before I came out here. And there were always kind of calls for development moratoriums. Environmentalist groups and people like that wanted to say, hey, 
Uh, let's let's put a pause on development until we figure this out. But I've never actually come across a city that has actually done this. And it really, I'm sure it's happened, but it's extremely, extremely rare. Um, and so Dripping Springs enacted this development moratorium for uh, its city limits and its ETJ, its extraterritorial jurisdiction, which is uh, expands about eight to 10 miles out of the city limits. And basically, you can't build anything uh, until February when this moratorium is going to supposedly end. But the mayor told me that it's likely to be extended. Uh, The city council wants to update its comprehensive plan. They want to just get a grip on this explosive growth before they keep allowing. It uh, seems like the responsible thing to do in a way. It does. It it is the responsible thing. And it's surprising because – um, there's a lot of money in development. There's a lot of money in, in home building and there is a lot of money in growth. And so for a city to actually pause and say, Hey, we want your money, but we want to do this responsibly. Uh, I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty radical and, and drastic, but appropriate and responsible thing to do. Well, I think we could pick this back up in February when the when the moratorium is either extended or not extended, as I'm mm-hmm. sure there's going to be way more that come out from this. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Another fun story I wanted to talk about was the, the tortoise that was yeah, reunited yeah. with the San Marcos mayor. Could you talk about that for a bit? Yeah. So that's just kind of a fun story I came across on my social media. So the former mayor of San Marcos, uh, Daniel Guerrero, he was the mayor from 2010 to 2016 and he has this tortoise. And it's a 25-pound rescue tortoise named Diego. He rescued it from the sanctuary in Wimberley a few years ago. And the former mayor, uh, Daniel, he takes this tortoise with him everywhere. He takes it to libraries, to appearances, to schools. Mm -hmm. And he loves teaching people about tortoises and reptiles. And back in November, the tortoise escaped from Daniel's backyard. And it went on the lamb for about 38 days. And nobody <laughs> knew where he was. And there were sightings and there were, you know, witnesses allegedly, but nobody knew where this tortoise was. And uh, on December 3rd, one of Daniel's friends, Ben Kavanli, who is actually, uh, he was actually in the Olympics in 1996 for kayaking. <laughs> Just a random side note. Mm-hmm. He was kayaking on the San Marcos River and he was passing, he has two properties on the river. And he was passing one of his properties and he saw his cats just going nuts around this rock. And he pulled over and he looked at the rock and it wasn't a rock. It was Diego, the tortoise. So he called Daniel and Daniel was reunited with this tortoise. And there's this awesome picture of this grown man just hugging this tortoise (laughs) for dear life. (laughs) And uh, it had a happy ending. And uh, Daniel gave the $1,000 reward to Ben's daughter so she could start a lemonade stand. That so, is so um, awesome. Yeah, it's just a really great story around the holidays. And I really wanted to bring that story up because um, the first time you were on the show, we were talking about how you had kind of just moved over here yeah. uh, through Report for America. And mm-hmm. this feels like one of those stories that you can only write once you've kind of embedded yourself into the yeah. um, into the city and into your reporting and stuff. So that's why I kind of wanted to highlight it. It shows how much you've <laughs> you've embedded yourself into the the, the city. Yeah, it's, it's funny how that can happen once you just start writing about communities and people and neighborhoods. And sometimes you just come across these really unique gems like this one. So I was glad I got to write about it. All righty. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming on the show so early. Yeah, thanks, Louise. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Yes, ma'am. Bye-bye.